Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you. NFL football tonight is kicking off in pretty much any moment now. The New England Patriots, the New York Giants, they get preseason week one underway. I know the Hall of Fame game did happen, but this is officially considered week one of the preseason. The Hall of Fame game is kind of considered its own thing. So we'll talk a little bit about that. There's some storylines to follow with both the Giants and Patriots. But where I first want to start off with is I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills a little bit tonight mainly because there was a caller today with Showing the Bulldog, and they talked a little bit about how through the first seven games, would we take four and three as the Bills' record? I think it was pretty unanimous that it was a no. I put up a poll as well at our Twitter account with WGR, and it was pretty resounding, no. 85% said no, 14% said yes. But so I want to talk a little bit about that and, and kind of run through the schedule a little bit. Not necessarily pick you know the schedule, but definitely run through and see like where I genuinely believe the losses are. I've mentioned a few times I think this team probably has about four or five losses in them just because that's the nature of the beast, the NFL. I am well aware that they lost to teams like Jacksonville last year. Like This is not a surprising thing. That happens. But we'll do that. We'll also talk a little bit about the preseason game going on right now on my TV. It's on the... NFL Network as well. The other game is Baltimore and Tennessee. That kicks off in about a half hour. I think that's just local stations, unless like the New England game is blacked out for whatever reason for you. But I think that's just local stations. But we'll keep an eye on that because Malik Willis did get the start at quarterback for Tennessee. So that's going to be kind of interesting. I'll at least kind of keep an eye on Twitter and see if anyone's saying anything. Because I did like Malik Willis coming out. So I'm very excited for him to get the first start, just so he can definitely get the majority of the reps. There's no reason for Tannehill to have many reps at all. But diving into the Bills' schedule, they obviously are playing Saturday against the Colts in their first preseason game. Josh Allen officially announced today as well. He will not be playing at all on Saturday. Thank goodness I can breathe easy now. Because why would he play? I mean, like genuinely. We've gotten to a point now in the NFL where if you're a good player, you shouldn't be playing in the preseason. And actually, we'll get to that in a moment about the Giants and Patriots game and one of the storylines. But you know, the Rams haven't played basically any of their starters in like four years in the preseason. Aaron Rodgers openly says he feels nothing for the preseason. It doesn't, he doesn't think it does anything for him. Josh Allen basically played one game last year. It was the Green Bay preseason game. And I think he predominantly did that, if I remember correctly, to build chemistry with Emmanuel Sanders, who had been dealing with injuries most of camp. And they targeted him like five or six times in like two series just to like try to like get like that like chemistry going between the two. I mean, that was about it. That was really the only thing they did that preseason game. Outside of that, Josh basically didn't play the preseason. Neither did Stephon Diggs. Tredavious White really didn't. We did get a solid up update about Tredavious White from Jeremy Fowler, basically saying that he is expected to be on the practice field sooner rather than later, that there is a positive feeling with the Bills about getting him back. There's a reason why they haven't gone to any of the veteran corners that they can grab off the market. They, number one, think that they're going to get Tredavious White back, I think, before week one. And number two, as much as... 
Kyrie Elam, the first-round pick for the Bills, has sort of had to adjust to a new role. He is adjusting well. I mean, he's had a tough camp, but he is adjusting well. I mean, but but really, the tough camp comes from just the fact that he has just been, you know, baptism by fire. He's had to be the CB1 going up against two of the better receivers in the NFL and Gabe Davis and, and of course, Stephon Diggs. So he's handling that very well. But speaking of Week 1, we will dive right in. Of course, they are, they are going to be in Los Angeles against the Los Angeles Rams past season Super Bowl champion. I can still see this team losing that game. Is it like a heavy feeling? Uh, no, I don't think so. But it is a feeling that I'm just like, they can lose it. They can lose it. Because to be fair, I went into last year basically assuring myself there's no way they lose to the Steelers. There's no way. With all the hype coming into the season and just the feeling around the team, I just thought there's no way they lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to start the season 1-0 and we'll be fine. And some fluke plays happened, a block punt and all that stuff, and eventually they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. So I can absolutely see them losing on the road to the team that won the Super Bowl. I mean, that wouldn't, that wouldn't stun me to my core. I would leave that game and it wouldn't change how I feel about the team, like almost at all, unless Josh Allen gets hurt, knock on wood. Or if, you know, they go out there and they fumble the ball a ton. Kyrie Elam looks like he's getting cooked every other play by somebody. Von Miller doesn't look right. Like if, unless it's something genuine where you're like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't look right. There's something wrong here. The Rams are a talented team. I mean, obviously, they won the Super Bowl and they, they kept themselves good. They got Allen Robinson to kind of replace, I think, both Robert Woods and Odell Beckham Jr. But with him and Cooper Cup, that is going to be spectacular. Tennessee is the game where I think they they need to win. I think regardless of how week one goes, you need to beat Tennessee. Because we're at a point now, I should not sit here and think, man, Tennessee's got our number. We we cannot keep having that feeling. They they got rid of A.J. Brown. like it, it, That's a huge loss for them, and they openly did it. But A.J. Brown is not on the team anymore. He has been the catalyst for most of the Bills' problems. Because he is such a huge force to deal for secondaries, that once he started getting the ball, it really opened up running lanes for Derrick Henry. And along with that, not only did they lose A.J. Brown, the Bills got better at run defense. They genuinely got better there. And they made their off, they made their defensive line much more versatile to deal with running games. I think last year, while it was a deep defensive line, it was very much meant to get to the quarterback. There was not anyone that could kind of switch it up and really deal with a run game. That's why Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry really ate the Bills up, because their defensive line was not really built to, to stop that. But they bring in Shaq Lawson, Tim Settle, Daquan Jones. Like I mean, they, they brought in guys to deal with that specifically. I think they need to win that game. I think the worst the Bills should be after Week 2 is 1-1. One one. That's the worst they should be. If they are 0-2, I'm going to start genuinely having problems because that means two things. Number one, you lost to the Rams. I'm not stressing about that. But number two, you lost to the Tennessee Titans. Again, a clearly inferior team. And it means you probably have not figured out your run defense issues. And really, to me, that's it. It's just, it you didn't figure out your run defense issues and likely as well are not winning close games again. Now, of course, that would be almost a statistical anomaly is basically in the NFL, that is for sure, if you are bad in close games one year, you'll likely either revert to the median or completely do a 180 and be really, really good in them. The Bills were really good in them in 2020, not so good in 2021. 22, they should be going back to at least solid or good. Then you get the Miami Dolphins in Miami. I want to say I want to see them continue their absolute just dominance of that team, but we'll see. 
We will genuinely see. I think Miami is definitely more improved. I don't believe in Tua, but I believe in the offense they've put around him. That offense is stupid fast. It is every single person on that offense can break the back of a defense in just one play. That's the scary part. That's the part where you have to just fear because Tredavious White may still try to get, be getting healthy. Kyrie Elam, it's only going to be his third game in the NFL. That's where I'm like the safety depth that this team has. The fact that Poyer and Hyde are so consistently on the field is going to play dividends for this team. For that sole reason right there is just because that's so important for this defense. The safeties being there will allow for some mistakes to be made by the cornerbacks, especially with the fact that they are dealing with just, in my opinion, just ridiculous speed. Just unnatural speed for an offense to have. But I think they should win that game. I Again, I'm going to the quarterbacks with here. Same with Tennessee, really. The Bills have by far the better quarterback. By far. And Josh has yet really to show me that he will shrink in these moments. If anything, he has shown he doesn't shrink. The team at times does. But he has never really failed the team now that he's kind of hit his crescendo of being great. The AFC Championship game in 2020 was not great. But outside of that, he has been a spectacular playoff quarterback or a big moment quarterback. So I think they definitely... Truthfully, I think the Bills should be 3-0. I would take them to to beat the Rams. I think they are a better team than the Rams. I think, again, it's going to be one of those where it's the first time they've been on the field since 13 seconds. They will want to flex their muscle, especially when they believe probably rightfully, we should have beaten this team last year. That We should have been the ones hosting the Lombardi Trophy against this team, and we should have beat them. But we didn't get that opportunity. Then you get at Baltimore. I'll be at that game. Very excited to do a road. Oh, it's going to be my first like Bills road trip. I'm going with my most of my family. We're going to go. going to have a fun time. I think they should absolutely beat Baltimore. I'm not really nervous about the Bills playing Baltimore. I think that might be my hottest take on the schedule. I'm not nervous at all about the Bills playing Baltimore. Number one, the Bills' defense has actually always done a very good job on Lamar Jackson. Always done a very good job on him when they play. The first game was during his MVP year. Didn't He statistically was not that great. And the offense for the Bills played poorly most of the day, and yet it came down to a poorly run route by John Brown in the end zone that if it was a better run route, he beats Marcus Peters for a touchdown that would have tied the game late, late in the fourth. But that's what it ultimately came down to. And then, of course, we go to the AFC Divisional game where neither offense really did anything, but ultimately it was the fact that Lamar Jackson, for as great of a weapon as, as he is and how threatening he is, not nothing, nada. They got one drive going and ultimately led to a pick six. And truthfully, looking at it now, I think his offense is far weaker now. I think the Bills have gotten much better at covering tight ends, not necessarily to like a great extent. I mean, Hall of Famers like Travis Kelsey still give them fits. But... They have, a, they have a defensive line that I think is going to cause huge problems for quarterbacks. And along with that, you add in the fact that who's playing wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens? Again, Rashad Bateman, I really like coming out. I've said this a few times. But ultimately, if he's going to be your one with a bunch of nobodies behind him, like Devin Duvernay, that's a recipe for a disaster. And with the Bills, in my opinion, getting much better at run defense because of how they retooled their defensive line to be much more versatile... They are going to cause fits, I think, for teams that are going to try to run on them. Baltimore, of course, being one of the main ones that is going to try. It's in Baltimore, which could be the big struggle here. But I'm not overly nervous for this game. I'm glad I'm going to this game because it should be a good one. But I think the I think the Bills get out of there. Then they get Pittsburgh at home. 
Pittsburgh, Mitch Trubisky sounds like he's getting the start for preseason week one. I think ultimately he's probably going to be the quarterback come week one in terms of like just the actual guy. We'll actually see if he gets to week five before they throw in Kenny Pickett. I think that could genuinely be something where Kenny Pickett is already in by then. And if it's Kenny Pickett, this game's already over with. It's it's at high mark. It's it's one of the few one o'clock games. We actually would have three straight one o'clock games, which is kind of nice. But I think I think if it's Mitch, if it's Kenny, it doesn't really matter. I think that could become a blowout pretty quick. I like their defense, obviously, but their secondary actually does kind of give me pause outside of Minka Fitzpatrick. Levi Wallace is a good corner. We know that, but not great in the sense that I think he can stop the Bills' offense. I think that's a win. And then at Arrowhead against Kansas City, I don't like Kansas City's defense, but the emergence of Sky Moore looks legit. That one is very, very scary. I think Sky Moore, I think a lot of people really, really liked him coming out of Western Michigan. I know I was somebody that really liked him. And he has looked every bit the guy most people thought was just, he just ran into a really, really loaded wide receiver class. And that's why he fell. But he fell to maybe the perfect situation for him in Kansas City. And he is going to take up a legitimate role there. Because I think as Juju Smith-Schuster is talented, he's not that talented. He is going to have a tough time dealing with somebody like Sky Moore coming in and being a do-it-all guy. He can be the slot. He can be a deep guy. He, he He's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but he can really take up that role. And then Isaiah uh, Pacheco, I want to say is his last name. Pacheco. He all of a sudden has become basically a deity for the Chiefs. I don't really know much about him, if I'm, about him if I'm being completely honest, but I'm kind of interested because he has sort of built up like a bit of a reputation and the Chiefs have a need at running back, so I think that's going to be kind of an interesting thing. But ultimately, if you want to talk about a bad running back room, the Bills are not the worst. It, the Chiefs running back room is not good. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not been anything that anyone wanted him to be when he was a first-round pick. And outside of that, they don't really have much else. Then, of course, you get the bye week. I think at this point, this is kind of where you're looking at it, right? This is where the 4-3 and three thing was because you're going to take on Green Bay in Week 8. Going into that bye week, I think you really should only have maybe one loss, depending on if it's the Rams or the Chiefs. I think you should absolutely beat Baltimore because I, I don't like Baltimore's offense. I think Baltimore's offense is going to be a little gimmicky because it's Greg Roman. And after a year, that's what it be, and truthfully, in a year, that's what it becomes. And I think the Bills have always really been able to handle Lamar Jackson quite well. I think it's going to continue. The Tennessee Titans have gotten significantly worse. They were one of the weakest one seeds ever, and they're not going to be a playoff team this year, not in my opinion. The Rams I think you should beat. I think it ultimately comes down to probably the Rams or Chiefs. I think you do lose one of those games. But so you'll go into this with one loss going into the bye, get Green Bay. I really, really like the chance of the Bills winning that game. Monday Night Football against Green Bay Packers at home. I really, really like the Bills' chances of winning that game. Mainly because I don't like the receiving core for the Packers. And we've seen at times, in the regular season, it's different. But if Rodgers cannot zero in on his number one guy lately, and that was Devontae Adams, he does have struggles against these bigger teams. Bigger, I'm saying better, the elite of the elite teams. He's had struggles, and namely it's come in the playoffs. But the Bills here could be looking towards, like I guess, could look to becoming a wagon where they just gain so much momentum and they're feeling so good about themselves that it just becomes a snowball effect. 
if you beat Green Bay out of the bye, which I want to say Sean McDermott has a great record out of the bye. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to check that in the break. But I'm pretty sure Sean McDermott has a great record coming out of the bye. You'll leave that with the Jets, the Vikings, the Browns, and the Lions next up. The Jets, who I think are vastly improved, I think are still no match for the Bills. The Vikings, I think they're going to be interesting with Kevin O'Connell, but I think the Bills are probably better, especially on the defensive end, that Kirk Cousins, who... Now, yes, it is at 1 o'clock, which is basically Kirk Cousins' dream, is to play every game at 1 o'clock. You can kind of figure your way through there and, and sort of deal with it. You're going to have to deal with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, James Cook's brother. But I think you'll be all right. I think you can work your way through that. And they've had a tough time with cornerback help. Andrew Booth is coming over from Clemson. They get him in the first round. But really, they have had a genuine struggle getting anyone to play well at cornerback since really Xavier Woods. So we'll see how that works out for them. Cleveland, I don't expect Deshaun Watson to play a single game this year. So I think that's gonna, you're going to get Jacoby Brissett at home. Nope. Detroit on Thanksgiving. Josh Allen and the Bills are a different breed on Thanksgiving. They're absolutely winning that game. And then you finally play the Patriots at New England to start. I want to say it's a Thursday night game on Amazon Prime. I I think New England's going to be a very bad team this year. I've said that a number of times in all these reports coming out, even more from today and yesterday, that a lot of New England beat reporters are saying, I've never seen an offense move the ball this badly. Like, I've never seen an offense in camp this long be so bad. And I don't think that's going to get fixed midway through the season. I said it yesterday. Not when you have a guy who predominantly has been a defensive guy, and he's apparently trying to call a different offense than the Patriots have ever run. And they have no idea how to work flow into it and, and sequencing or anything like that. So I don't think that's going to improve by any stretch of the imagination. I think they walk through the Patriots for both games. I think they easily walk through the Patriots. The Patriots are really competing for third in this division. I fully believe that. Equally so, the one game I want to watch for week one that isn't the Bills game, obviously, but that's on Thursday night. Sunday, 1 o'clock, give me the Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots. I want to watch every second of that game. I think that could become a route very quickly. Even though I don't believe in Tua, I believe far less in the Patriots themselves. Then you get the Jets again. Should absolutely beat them. Miami at home. I think You should definitely beat them at home. You should definitely beat them at home. Chicago on Christmas Eve, I please, if that that would be the Jacksonville game. If if they, they pulled a Jacksonville game this year, that's it right there. And I just I cannot imagine that happens at Cincinnati. Cincinnati late in the season is a fascinating one to me because I absolutely do believe that when that game is played, you could be playing for the one seed. Like the Bills may not have it locked up. Like that somebody else is giving them a fight. Cincinnati could become a very, very important game for the Bills to win. But I will tell you, I don't think the Bills win that game in the regular season. I think the wide receiver core for the Cincinnati Bengals is too much at times. And it's going to be in Cincinnati late in the season. I think the Bills do lose that game. If, if I had to genuinely pick 
I think so. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Cincinnati Bengals win that game. It's that wide receiver core. If it's on, it's too much for almost every team in the NFL. Even the Bills with how great their secondary is, they would need Burrow to throw three picks. And Burrow, and Burrow is more than capable of doing that. He has had games where just he's off. He throws a few picks because he takes shots. But Jamar Chase, to me, he might be the best receiver in football, and he might be that for another 10 years. He is just different. And then you get the Patriots at home. That one's to be determined. We don't know if that's going to be on Saturday, Sunday, night game, whatever it is. And I've said it. I think you should beat them both times. So really, the losses I'm looking at, of course, it's the close games, but I genuinely believe they beat the Rams. I think they lose to Kansas City and Arrowhead this year. I do. I think that that one's going to kind of sting. But it'll more or less be just, all right, they got us here. We get them at home. Because I do think the Bills will, if they play the Chiefs this year, I do think they host them this year in in the playoffs. There's no way in my my mind the Chiefs somehow are going to avoid an away playoff game. Their division is too stacked. It's too good. They would have to be just maybe the greatest team of all time to walk through that and then to have the one seed. And and to be truth be told, if they, if they did, I would I would put them up there. It's the best division I've ever seen. It is by far the best division I've ever seen. There are four top ten quarterbacks in that division. Derek Carr is ten. He's nine or ten. That man, what he did last year to, to will his team to the playoffs in all of those terrible circumstances, he's a top ten quarterback to me. But he's nine or ten. And then Russell Wilson, Herbert, and Mahomes. There's no way they're the one seed. They, they're gonna have to go on the road and win a road playoff game. Which will be interesting, because as great as Josh Allen has been, we're still waiting on a road playoff win for Josh. Likewise, we're still waiting just to see Mahomes play a road playoff game. But that could be interesting. Cincinnati Bengals, I've said it, I think they could definitely miss the playoffs. I'm less confident of that now that I know Deshaun Watson likely won't play a single game in the NFL this season. I think the AFC North likely can get two teams in the playoffs. But it is interesting to look at the schedule. I think they have to beat Tennessee. I think that's a game. If they if they lose to Tennessee, I won't be dejected, but it'll definitely be one of those games where I'm just like, how does this keep happening? Because I remember last year it was the same feeling of just like, man, they just they, they can't put this team away. They're constantly having issues with them. Like, what is going on? I think I I think I'd even I'd be more so. I it wouldn't be something where I'm freaking out and and, and you know telling you the world's falling down, but it would be It'd be incredibly frustrating. Chiefs game is interesting. I, I I think last year it was stunning in the regular season when they, when they won in a blowout. And I'd almost say if they did that again two years in a row, the Chiefs, though, could be interesting at that point, too. In week six, where are they at at that point? What's their early schedule look like? They get Arizona to open up the season, the Chargers, Colts, Tampa, Raiders, and then the Bills. They could be in a hole themselves, now that I'm looking at that. Arizona, I think, is not going to be nearly as good of a team. The Chargers, I think, win the division, so I'm going to take the Chargers there. Colts, 
could be a genuine struggle, especially at Lucas Oil Stadium early in the season. Then you get Tampa. Tampa's one of the most loaded teams in the NFL. They just need to stay healthy, which they're having a tough time doing. And then the Raiders. The Raiders and Derek Carr have given them fits. Either either it's it's a very close game in which the Raiders have a chance to win it, or it's a complete blowout. And depending on the Raiders' defense, that could become a complete blowout. And they get the Bills. The Chiefs themselves could be looking early going, oh boy, like we need to win this game against Buffalo like desperately or, or the season could start getting derailed. And the, the problem that they had last year was that teams like the Chargers would lose just boneheaded games. Denver didn't have a quarterback, and the Raiders kept dealing with constant issues that allowed the Chargers to, or allowed the Chiefs after their tough start to really rebound well. This year, yes, their, their schedule opens up a bit, but even after the Bills, if, if Trey Lance hits, they immediately go to Levi Stadium against the 49ers. They get a bye, then they get the Titans and Jaguars, that's easier, and then you get the Chargers again, and then the Rams. And then the Bengals, and then the Broncos, all right in a row. Boom, 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 boom. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be a genuine threat for that one seed. I just don't. And it's mainly because of that middle block right there. They open up with a tough schedule, and from weeks 11 to 14, they are in a dogfight every single game. The Bills, on the flip side, don't have nearly that big of a, of a gauntlet. Their gauntlet is earlier in the season, but to end the season, they get you know, the... Their middle gauntlet from weeks 10 to 14 is Minnesota, Cleveland, Detroit, uh, New England, and the Jets. That is where I think the really the one seed could completely open up right there. Now, that also does depend, though, on the Chargers. The Chargers is the team I think that will genuinely give the Bills a fight, but they open up with the Raiders and the Chiefs. Then it, opened, then it eased it up a bit with Jacksonville, Houston, Cleveland. Denver is a tough one in there, but then Seattle buying Atlanta. That's... One of the nicest three weeks you could have in ever. Their schedule never really gets difficult. So the Bills, for me, going back to the original point of like, would you be okay with four and three, five and two? Four and three, I would not be because I agree with Bulldog on this. If you go four and three going in into that Jets game, that Week Nine game, because you have the bye and then Green Bay and Monday Night Football, you can kiss the one seed goodbye. Because if we're being completely honest, it doesn't get hard for the Chargers. You need to open up the season at either 5-2 and two or 6-1 and one to really be in contention for that one seed. You have to. And along with that, I think there's a genuine belief that you need to beat the Chiefs too in the regular season to really put, you know, a, a, for lack of a better term, put your, put your foot on their throat a little bit. They could have a rough start to the season, or it could be so good that you're like, we, we need to shut that momentum down. We need to just put them down a little bit. Just, you know, take them off a pedestal a little bit. You're going to need to do something in there. I think the Bills have the talent to do so, but you can tell the AFC with just how talented it is. I think it's right for a lot of people to think that maybe last year was their best shot because now looking at it, it is a tough road for the Bills to get that one seed, even with how easy the AFC East is in in quote-unquote easy. It'll still be a tough road to get there because of the other teams in the AFC. And, and the fact is, if Justin Herbert has MVP-like season and they – you know, are fighting for the one seed there, the Chargers become just such a scary threat. Even though they really don't have a home crowd, Herbert is a horrifying quarterback to play on his day. Mahomes, we all know. Russell Wilson, we all know. But just looking at those first seven or first six, seven games, you can't lose to the Tennessee Titans. You can't lose to the Steelers. You have to beat Baltimore. You have to do some of these things to get your season not only started right, 
but to get there at the end and to have some of the leeway that does genuinely help. There's a reason why most Super Bowl champions are either the one or two seed. Getting to play at home and now with only just the one seed, getting that week off in the wild card does help. It gives another week for guys to get healthy, just to stay healthy. And the Bills have openly talked about how they want to get there and how it is important to them. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the mostly done first quarter of the first preseason game. Daniel Jones is still in the game. Just took a big hit. Eh, not a great deep shot, though. We'll do that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for just a little over a half hour more. Got the Giants and Patriots game going on here on NFL Network. And my big takeaway early here, number one, Brian Hoyer just hit a great deep ball after he threw a solid one, but it was dropped. So good to see that. Brian Hoyer, by the way, has been in the league. It feels like forever. And I remember like he had like a run with the Browns where he looked really good for like three weeks. It was like Mike White on steroids in terms of his actual play, but not necessarily like the actual like coverage because, of course, if the Jets have a quarterback play well for 15 minutes, we have to hear about it. But my big takeaway from this game, before it even kicked off, was who was benched and who was starting for the Giants. All three starting wide receivers, it sounds like, for the Giants, sat. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Wondell Robinson. All of them sat. Likely, their big three. Robinson at slot, Galladay, and Toney as their two outside guys. But who played? Well, Daniel Jones has already played two series, and Saquon Barkley's been in. Why? I think there's a pretty obvious answer there. And I, and I brought it up early in terms of um, Josh Allen's not playing tonight. Or, I'm sorry, on Saturday. And it's because, well, why would he? Why? why? Well, you, you know how good he is, and if you need to get better you know, chemistry with your quarterback, you can do so in practice. There's no need to, to worry everybody by playing him in a game, especially when your season means too much. It's the bad players, or bad veterans, or guys trying to make a roster spot, or guys you're just not too sure about. That's where Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones find themselves. Saquon, I think it's more genuinely Brian Dable and his staff want to genuinely see what they have in, in Saquon. The Giants from years ago in 2018 took a second-round pick on him, or second overall pick on him. And since then, I mean, his rookie year was great. His rookie year was spectacular. You could make a genuine argument he was the best running back in football, and I wouldn't fight you on it. But since then, he's dealt with a ton of injuries, a bad, atrocious offensive line from the Giants, and not not much else. It has been a constant just trying to get back to that rookie year. Truthfully, a little bit like uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Just, you know, Saquon hasn't really been paid like crazy like Zeke was. But the main story here is Daniel Jones playing, right? Especially when, you know, there are some reports coming out, you know, well, you know, Tyrod Taylor, the way his contract's set up, he's probably going to be the starter in 2023. We heard that earlier today with Paul DeTino of WFAN over in New York. That's what he thinks. He thinks Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants in 2023. We heard that a little bit later uh, earlier on Show Up the Bulldog. Sneaky Joe and Mike have a bet on that. C.E. Joe thinks that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter for the Giants in 2023, and I fully believe that as well. I think there's a reason Daniel Jones is playing in this preseason game. He's not playing well in practice. And to be fair, Dable and Shane 
Joe Shane, the Jets are uh, the Giants' new general manager, coming over from the Bills. Both are. They're not married to Jones. They didn't pick him. They have no allegiance to him. The Maras, the owners of the Giants, have somewhat blamed themselves for this and the fact that they brought Joe Judge and they did no favors to this guy and all that stuff. But to be fair, when they drafted Jones, it was basically just a modern-day version of Eli Manning. That's all Jones was coming out of Duke. Yeah, David Cutcliffe, and he, and he couldn't cut it there. Cutcliffe is one of the better offensive minds. He's one of the better quarterback minds as well in football. And Jones was just a fine quarterback in college. Nothing crazy, nothing great. But he had an all right senior season, and the Giants were the team that really, really liked him, again, because he's basically just Eli Manning. And Eli Manning, for better or worse, is considered the best quarterback for the Giants ever because of his two Super Bowl wins over Brady. And in part, I mean, that's that's amazing. But Eli had so many limitations. We talked a little bit about Odell Beckham Jr.'s stats his first three years. He, I swear to you, no one can convince me otherwise because this is, I, this is where I'm at and, this is, and this is, I'm going to stay here. He allowed Eli Manning to play at least another five years. Because of how good he was, he made Manning look that much better. Or at least not as bad as he was. Eventually, the, the cliff had just, we, we had reached the bottom. We had fallen off the cliff and reached the bottom. And it was done for Manning. But the Giants, I, I think, are definitely going in the right direction with Shane and Dable. But one of their first things they're going to have to do is somewhat play the PR game of, of with, with Daniel Jones of, well, he's our starter, and we, you know, we want to see what we got in him. But ultimately, this year, especially when you're going to be dealing with bad teams like Atlanta and Seattle, look, you're going to be playing the quarterback game here in a minute, where you're going to have to deal with teams who are also going to be moving up for quarterbacks, or at least may just be there for quarterbacks. Atlanta or Seattle, I think, could definitely be the worst teams in football. I don't think the Giants will be. I think Dable is a darn good coach. And with players like Kadarius Toney, Saquon Barkley, I think they should be fine. And especially with Kayvon Thibodeau as a pass rusher coming off the edge, I think they'll be just good enough to skate out of the top five. Maybe maybe more of the top three. But they're going to have genuine struggles there for a good bit of just trying to not absolutely tread Daniel Jones, but also realize... Yeah, we're going to be moving off this guy very, very soon. Because they are. They absolutely are. Why would they stay with him? I think we've gotten to a point, and I agree a lot with you know, some stuff that's come out. Uh, Colin Coward has said this a lot, and other people on ESPN, Fox Sports, and all that stuff, and, and other radio stations about you know the actual development of quarterbacks now. It has absolutely changed. Josh Allen is a bit of an anomaly, but we also have to remember that Josh Allen's rookie year, for while the stats weren't great, you at least saw something, and in his second year, there was a genuinely large jump. Not as large as the third-year jump that you know we'll get to in a second, but there was a genuine second-year jump. He went from throwing 10 touchdown passes to 20 touchdown passes. He kept the rushing stats up. His passing yards went up. His completion percentage went up. Everything went up. And then you add in the fact that in the fourth quarter, he was spectacular. So everything went up. And it allowed you to think that for the third year, okay, there can be something here. Especially when they got Stephon Diggs. But you look at the Giants, and Daniel Jones has shown anything but like legitimate improvement. If anything, it's gotten drastically worse. His rookie season, actually really good. Just over 3,000 yards, 24 touchdown passes, and 12 picks. 
He only started 12 games. The next year, started 14 games. 11 touchdowns, 10 picks, just under 3,000 yards. Third year, started 11 games, 10 touchdowns, 7 picks. He was getting better in terms of he was not going to have a second year, but there's no genuine progression there. There's nothing. Through three years, your rookie year by far is your best year, and it wasn't anything spectacular. 24-12 and is good, but the yards were super down. His completion percentage was around 62%. So it wasn't like he was running an efficient offense. And that's ultimately the problem is that Daniel Jones has never progressed. And that's why if I were Dable and Shane, I wouldn't even have played the game of, well, we're going to figure it out. I would have tried to trade Daniel Jones this offseason, without a doubt. But it sounds more like the owners really wanted to do that. That the owners feel like they failed Jones. But that's because they've gotten too personal with this whole situation. I think Jones, or I think Shane and, and Dable could have a genuine fight here of, even if Dable's bad, I worry that the Maras, who I think have become too personal in this, because they did draft another Eli Manning, a guy that knew the Mannings through David Cutcliffe, his coach in college. Cutcliffe, of course, was the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning. He's been a friend of the Mannings for years now. Decades, we're at a point. That is going to be their first genuine struggle. This year doesn't matter. This year is all about just building a culture, getting the right people in the door, getting the the wrong people out the door, accumulating draft picks, getting good free agents for you. But they do need to move off Daniel Jones because if they don't, he's going to be the reason they're fired because he's just flat out not a good quarterback. And you add in the fact, Jones, and I've I've said it, he's just a modern-day version of Eli Manning. And when I say that, I genuinely mean, what's his elite trait? Eli, at least coming out of college, had a very good NFL arm. He had a very, very good NFL arm. But he couldn't really move. But he was tall, stocky, had a good arm. Jones is tall, yes. Doesn't really have a good arm. I, he's more mobile than I expected, but that's nothing crazy. While he's 6'5", he's no Josh Allen, he's no Justin Herbert. What's his elite trait that's going to take him over the top, especially in a weak NFC division when it comes to young quarterbacks? If Daniel Jones genuinely, from that 24-12 and 12 rookie season, took a step forward, you know, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks, the Giants would have been a threat in the NFC East, especially because that division just falls all over itself every year. It's nothing new. But instead they didn't. And I just, I worry for Dable and Shane, who I do think are absolutely the right guys for the job. But I worry that they're going to run into a wall with Jones and it has to be something they're willing to move off of. Now, I will tell you, them signing Tyrod Taylor does tell me they're willing to move off quickly. And the fact that Daniel Jones has started this game tells me they're ready to move off quickly because they have to. If not, they are asking to lose their jobs quickly. That's my fear. More than anything, that is my fear, is that if he's not gone, and Daniel Jones is not a bad guy. I'm not saying he is he's a bad guy or you know doesn't deserve to be a backup in this league. Truthfully, his stats tell me he's absolutely going to be a really good backup in this league. He'll win you a few games, he'll be great. He'll be great doing that. He's not Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's been a disaster. Sam Darnold's career now is just trying to stick on a roster for a few years and not be Josh Rosen and just be tossed around the league and and you're sitting there wondering, how is my career not over with yet? But especially with a talented quarterback class coming up and the fact that you're probably not the least talented team in the NFL, you've got to strike gold there. You've got to get out of this, get Tyrod starting, or truthfully, 
ride this one out. That's what I would do. I usually don't advocate for ta- uh, for tanking openly because, you know, you don't want to be a bad person with doing that, but, you know, tanking is not that bad. But in a way, maybe you do stick out Daniel Jones and just let the fire burn. If he's good, wonderful. If he gets like around 30 touchdown passes, you're sitting there going, oh, okay, well, we were wrong. But if he's bad, keep him, let him go. Let him go. Especially in an NFC East where the Dallas and Philadelphia are going to be competing heavily to try to get in the playoffs. Washington may not be as bad as we expect. I think they will be, but, you know, crazy things have happened. Carson Wentz's stat line wasn't atrocious last year. It was just you know, playing big games that was. Maybe there's a moment there where they can kind of figure it out and realize, eh, we'll just stick Daniel Jones in there for the rest of the season. Wind up as the third best team, and we could see one, two, three quarterbacks. Atlanta, Seattle, New York. Boom, boom, boom. And I think the thing with Tyrod as well is Tyrod might be the best starting quarterback to have when you have a rookie first-round pick right behind him. Because something will happen to Tyrod where you feel good, like you're like, hey, the roster's better, he's going to be able to like, at least like figure it out, we'll win like seven, eight games. No problem. Like, like We'll clearly jump up, the rookie doesn't have to play. Something will happen to Tyrod to where the rookie has to play early, and lately, when Tyrod goes out, or when Tyrod was on the team previously and he leaves and the rookie comes in, the rookie is awesome for at least a year. Baker's the only one where I'm like, it's at least a year. But Baker got the Browns a playoff win. That's both a win-loss, I guess, for the Browns, but ultimately, it's big for you. The Chargers, we all know how that went. Justin Herbert. And then Tyrod was the guy right before Allen walked in the door. So if I'm the Giants, yeah, oh yeah, I'm excited for whatever guy we take as long as Tyrod's on the roster. He's probably going to be good. It is just the Daniel Jones situation to me is fascinating. And I think the fact that he is playing, and he's still in into the second quarter, tells me a lot about where Dable, his coaching staff, really feel about Daniel Jones. I, they don't like him as a quarterback. He's going into his fourth year starting legitimately preseason games. That is not good. Josh barely played his second year. He played the first game against Carolina where they were bringing in a new offense, but after that he didn't play a ton. His third year basically didn't play at all until the last one. It is going to be interesting. Jones is out now, though. But the fact that he got three series is concerning if you are a Daniel Jones fan. We're going to take a quick timeout. We come back. We'll look into what Malik Willis is doing over with the Tennessee Titans as that game is kicked off. We'll do that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back in the Nightcap here on WGR. Quick final segment here as we wrap up a Thursday night here on WGR. So what we've got going on right now is I, I've i now hit the point with the preseason. It's like the second quarter is usually when like I'm reminded, oh, I forgot this is why like it's a painful watch Like if it's not my favorite team. Billy Zapp is in right now for the Patriots. They At one point, it was a third and 27, almost a safety. He had to throw it away. Malik Willis has yet to complete a pass for the Tennessee Titans. Love to see that. Maybe my favorite thing in the world. Although Kyle Hamilton had a fumble recovery for the Ravens. That I do like to see. I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but I did like Kyle Hamilton. And for a little bit there for the Bills, he was definitely a prospect to keep an eye on. We didn't know how the Jordan Poyer situation would play out. So good to see him doing that. Michael Parsons last year in the Hall of Fame game also had a fumble recovery in his first preseason game, so that's exciting. That'll do it here on the nightcap. Tomorrow, much more preseason games. Of course, I think the big one really on the schedule is Cleveland and Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, they're both playing in the preseason. This will be Etienne's first, I mean, playing experience with the Jaguars, actually like in a game, preseason or regular season. 
And, of course, Deshaun Watson starting for Cleveland. How long does that go? Does it actually happen? Does the league pass something before the game starts? We'll find out tomorrow. That's going to do it here on the Nightcap. Thank you for listening here on WGR.